Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. I just want to share heart today and um, I just want to say that I have no other desire today than to see us love God more. I've no other desire today that, but to find us in a place where we go, gosh, God, I, I want to discover you in new ways. I want to find myself in a place by the end of the service that for all of us, we're going, God, I want your word and I want it clear in my heart and I want to have that proximity like I haven't had before. And I'm not just talking to people who this is fresh in church. I'm talking to people who for generations, you've grown up in the house. I declare that this year, God has a word for you. God has a word for you. And I just, as we talk about this topic, it's going to sound at some points like it's legalistic, like it's religious, but I'm telling you, this is not about religion. This is about the discovery of an increased relationship with God. And it just can, there is no limit to where He wants to lead us and what He wants to speak into us. And so we've declared this next few weeks called First Things First. And for me, I, I just thought the journey I've been on in the last 300 and whatever days has been about discovering God's Word and reading His Word on a whole new level. And so for me, straight away, it was just like, man, on the first one of this series, I just want to talk about the Word. I want to talk about His Bible. I want to talk about His truth. I want to talk about how it's alive. I want to talk about how it shapes who we are and it transforms who we are. I want to talk about the fact that it's living and that it never dies and it's never getting old. I want to talk about the fact that it doesn't matter how much culture wants to deconstruct it. You can't deconstruct the divine. The divine is a principle of life that will not change and will not be out of fashion or out of date. I have many notes, as I often do, and I find myself today um, not knowing exactly how it will come out, but I really pray that by God's Spirit, He just does what He needs to do to shift something in all of us, myself included. So Holy Spirit, we welcome You. Not that You haven't been here doing wonderful things, incredible things. Lord, showing Yourself faithful to us. Letting Your presence be so rich. I thank You, Lord, for the person that's here for the first time online watching, wondering, what's this whole church thing about? Do you reckon it's really real? I thank you, Lord, that you are personal. And for every single person here, I pray, Lord, that the personal presence of Jesus would touch every single heart. In homes, Lord, right now, something literally would shift in the atmosphere. And we would just realize as we open your word, we actually come to a moment that's holy. We honor you. We thank you for your word. We pray you have your way today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. I've always valued the Bible. I've, I've always known it's been an important part of any believer's journey, that we can't obtain the fullness of what we need in our own personal walk from just being in Sunday services, but we, God is incredibly generously created a way for us to have Him speak into our lives every single day, any moment that we make it available. And now we have apps where it's accessible at any point. We have opportunity for those who don't like reading or struggle to read that you can just push play and it can read to you. Uh, we have the Bible more accessible than ever before. But if I was to be honest with where I probably was at, uh, you know, 18 months ago, the truth of it is, is that we're probably not in a position where we are consuming it as much as we should. 
And, um, and again, I've always valued the Word and I've always known that it's incredibly significant and, and I've always had it a part of my daily life. But about um, December last year, I felt going into 2021 that God said to me, I want you to read more of my Word than you ever have before. And now if you know me, uh, at that point, I wasn't a great reader. Uh, I had done book reading challenges every year and I'd got from two books to three books to four books. And I felt like God said, I don't want you to read any other book. I just want you to read the Bible. And so in that process, I found myself connected to the Nicky Gumbel Bible in a year devotional. And I thought that'd be an awesome opportunity to read it hand in hand. And that'll help guide me through the Bible in a year. And that'll be awesome. And I got to tell you that if you're looking for a devotional, you can get it on the Bible app. But the Nicky Gumbel Bible in a year, uh, alongside the reading the Bible in its entirety, is unbelievable. It is so, so good. But I want to step back and I want to tell you that God has a word for you. God has a word for you that's going to cement you in even the biggest of storms. God's got a word for you that's going to change the dynamic of how you see things in the natural because you understand the clarity of the supernatural at a whole other level. I want to tell you that God's word wants to secure you and provide for you in a way that in everything else that the world offers, you realize there's no substitute to the word of God. There is nothing as pure, nothing as strong, nothing as reliable or dependable as his word. And His Word can shape you and it can mold you and make you. And I love that the Bible is full of people who got a word from God. And on a word from God, they stepped out. On a word from God, Moses went to Pharaoh. On a word from God, Mary decided to have baby Jesus. On a word from God, David was a shepherd boy, but all of a sudden becomes anointed as king. On a word from God, disciples who were tired from fishing left everything and they followed Jesus. And I'm believing this year that for all of us, we're going to have a word from God. If it wasn't for a word from God, I know I would not be here today. Twelve years ago, about 13 years ago now, my beautiful wife was pregnant with our awesome son, Zion, who's with us in service today. And uh, we were youth pastors here at Life. And the truth of it is, is that Nadia from five years old desired to be a pastor me personally had never desired it in that sense. I just had discovered as an 18-year-old Jesus personally, even though growing up in a Christian home, I really discovered him personally. And I found myself just going, God, I want everything you've got. And out of that, uh, Nadia and I uh, obviously started dating and then we got married. And then we, within that first year of marriage, we became the youth pastors at Life. And, and, uh, and Nadia came on staff straight away because she was studying her master's and was able to defer that and go straight in. And, and I worked part-time and, and things like that. And anyway, we got to this point seven years in where Nadia is pregnant and about to go on maternity leave. And for me personally, I am sitting at my desk and I'm freaking out because I, for myself, realized the fact that I feel personally that the only reason I'm here is because I've been riding on her coattails for the last seven years. And we laugh about that because it sounds funny, but at the same time, it's the most petrifying thing in the world. And when you realize now you're the person that's it, who's got to lead this and got to be able to hear from God and got to be able to navigate team and got to be able to keep doing what God's entrusted us to do. And you feel absolutely insecure because you know your own humanity. And here I am this Tuesday, I think it was, and I'm sitting at my desk and I start crying because I go, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I find myself sitting under my desk in my office, 
I'm crying and I'm saying, God, this is the end. This is the day where I actually say, guys, you've got the wrong person. And so anyway, I did something that I pray we would all do. Probably the best, one of the best decisions I've made in my life is I decided to text three friends that didn't want to tell me what I wanted to hear. They told me what I needed to hear. And I tell you what, we have a pandemic going on at the moment, but I think more severely than that, we have a culture that doesn't want to ask for help. I found myself at the supermarket yesterday wanting to help a mum with twins who were tiny, plus a toddler who was running around shooting people with Nerf guns, trying to self-check out with all these groceries and no way to carry them, no way to do it. And I'm saying, hey, please, would, I, would you let me help you? No, no, I won't let you help me. I went and put my groceries in the car and I couldn't, I couldn't leave. So I said, I'm even going to go back and I'm going to pay for them. God, we'll, we'll do something. We'll do this. I go back and I said, look, I've put my stuff down, please. I'd love to help you. I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel pity for you. You're an amazing mum. Just let me help you. And she goes, no, I'm fine. It's okay. You can go. And I find myself in a position, and I think God finds himself in that position with me at times as well, where he's saying, gosh, I would love to help you. You know that I could, I could even cover the debt. You know, I could even cover what you're trying to, I, I could do all this for you, but you won't accept my help. Can I just say, can we be a church that asks for help? And the email I sent out to all of our church saying, don't do this alone. COVID's spreading. Everyone's getting it. Don't do it alone. You know, I had two emails back. But I've known of how many people. No, no, people are like, oh, we're sweet. We're good. But at the same time, why not just saying, could you pray? Yeah. Prayer's powerful. Yeah. Anyway, I diverge. <laughs> Sitting under here, the guys text me back and they say, that's a lie. You're not leaving. You're not quitting. I know I've shared this story years ago, but I trust it's fresh. And so I wipe the tears and I get up and I say, well, God, I need to know it's you. Like, it's all good to hear them say it, but I know that <laughs> tomorrow that'll fade and I'll hear my own voice again. And I opened my Bible and God led me to Joshua 1. And I opened Joshua 1 and I'll have it on the screen, hopefully. And basically I opened this because I was afraid I couldn't lead anyone. And Joshua 1, 5 to 9, as I opened it to that, it says, As I was with Moses, Craig, so I'll be with you. And I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So you need to be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it. Do not turn from it. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful for wherever you go. You want to know why sometimes we're not successful? It's because we turn to it and then we turn from it. Do not turn from it. The self-help books out there, the professional guides on how to get where you want to go, they're not the same as the everlasting Word of God that sees before the step you need to take and promises He'll light your every step. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will prosper and be successful. What was prospering and successful looked like for me? It wasn't houses and cars and it wasn't all of that. Is that we would see God's kingdom advance. And that we would see so many hundreds of young people discover Jesus. And that we would be in a place that we would unashamedly and boldly just build God's church and find people discover the wonder of Jesus through His awesome bride, His kingdom here on earth. And I've got to say, God is faithful to His Word. Can I just say that point again? God is faithful to His Word. We say, well, God is faithful to me. God is faithful 
But if we're not living aligned to His Word, He cannot be faithful to you if you're not aligned to His Word. That's a real confronting revelation that I got last year. Oh, God is faithful. Well, not if I'm not faithful. He says that we're not faithful. But He is faithful to His Word, which means that there's things in my will that I actually have to align to His ways so then the faithfulness of God can continue and it doesn't stop with my limited vision and my limited possibility. I know this is the start of the year and this probably doesn't sound so encouraging to read the Bible right now, but I hope it stirs something because even Jesus said, Father, not my will. Now, if Jesus, the Son of God, has to address His own human nature to align it back to God's will, then I think many, many times we have to align our own personal nature that says, you know what, maybe this isn't the right way. Maybe my motive isn't pure. Maybe what I'm harboring in my heart, God's actually called me to let go of. Maybe the way that I'm stewarding my finance isn't the way that God's asked me to. Maybe the fact that I just go, I don't need baptism, isn't what God's actually instructed us to do as believers. He said, no, follow me through the waters of baptism. And so therefore, it's not a question of if it's a matter of when, and there's no better time than now than to align ourselves to His Word because He's faithful to His Word. I love that we've got fasting coming up. People are going to go, oh, I don't know about fasting. If I'm going to fast, the Bible doesn't say if you fast, it says when you fast. And so therefore, it's a spiritual discipline God wants to put in our lives to increase who we are, that we could have a greater level of authority and clarity of His kingdom in our heart and in our lives. I know I'm speaking passionately, but I've got to tell you, I got... I'm just stirred for the fact that God wants to move in the season more than ever before. And He's got a word for you that's going to get you. See, see, Mary got a word in faithfulness. I got a word in fear. See, sometimes we get a word on the mountaintop. Sometimes we get a word in the darkest of places. But I tell you, He wants to bring a word to you. Well, Trey, tell me what that word is. I can't tell you what His word is for your life. But I can tell you that it's faithful. I tell you that He promised to be true to it. I tell you that it will change everything if we trust it and hold on to it with everything we have. As I said before, the problem we have is we have a culture that is deconstructing the Word. Deconstructing the Word. You ever watch those cooking shows where they say, oh, what have you made for us? And they say, apple pie. And I look at it and I go, that's not an apple pie. And they're like, oh no, it's deconstructed. So there's a little bit of apple over in that corner and there's a little bit of crumb pastry over there and there's a little bit of cinnamon over that side. And, and when you want and how you want, you can mix it how you like and, and, and what you want to do, you can do with it because this is my interpretation of an apple pie. And I believe that there's a lot of people where I'll just interpret it how I want to interpret it and I'll just deconstruct it how I want to deconstruct it. And I want that flavour with that flavour and I like that combo with that combo. But I don't like all of that because I'm a bit intolerant to that and I'm a little bit intolerant to that. So I'll just take this part. And I'm just saying it doesn't work like that. We find ourselves tripping over not God, but we find ourselves tripping over ourselves. And we realise... It's, 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 actually, we realize it's, it's hard work. Actually, we realize it's the promise that was supposed to ignite something in our heart. It's challengeful and, and discouraging. Why? Because we're not aligned to the way that God asked us and actually enabled it and, and orchestrated it for it to be. And there's some people in this room, and that's fair, and some people online, I understand what they say. Well, how can you even trust the word? How can you trust the Word? I want to share just quickly, and I think it's important. But I want to talk about the authenticity of the Bible. Can we just have a little bit of just like breaking down why we can trust the Word? 
And I think it's a good question to ask, is God's word true? I think it's a great question to ask. And God doesn't shy away from saying us, hey, like research it, dig it out, find out for yourself. You're not going to be able to prove it wrong. Like, yeah, like you're actually going to go in and go, oh my gosh, like, wow, like, are you serious? But the Bible is the word of God because um, of something we call divine inspiration. And divine inspiration basically means that God spoke through the authors of each of the books of the Bible and he enabled them to write it. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. There were 40 authors that God chose to write His Word. From shepherds to kings to fishermen to prophets, other close followers of Jesus. And over the span of 2,000 years, the Bible that we hold right now in our hands, which is a privilege to be honest, the Old and the New Testament were fashioned in that moment. And every single sentence and word was constructed by God because the writers were simply his scribes, not writing from their perspective or their opinion. And 2 Peter 1.21 puts it this way. It says, Prophets, though humans, spoke from God as though they were being carried by the Holy Spirit. See, the amazing thing is, is that this even aligns in the reality of Jesus and when he spoke. So if every scripture was empowered by the Holy Spirit, isn't it amazing that we hear about Jesus in the scripture, but once he's baptized, we hear from Jesus. So even Jesus himself, from the words that are penned from his mouth, are actually after the point where he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So every single word is Holy Spirit-led and Holy Spirit-divine. The archaeological evidence, archaeological discoveries have confirmed so many events of the Bible. The excavation of Jericho reveals that the walls of the city did indeed fall as they were described. And even in the book of, uh, sorry, in the book of Joshua, and indeed, obviously, some of the Passages of the Bible where critics once claimed were merely myth have now been confirmed archaeologically over and over and over again. Yes, of course, some things are yet to be found. But my question is, if a ship is sunk in the deepest part of the ocean, which we can't discover yet as humans, does it mean the ship is not there or does it mean we just haven't found it yet? Prophecy and divine insight. Do you know that through this Bible, 650 prophecies were fulfilled in accuracy? 650. For example, Daniel 2, a prophecy predicted the next three world empires up to and including the Roman Empire, and it declared the falls that they would take. And if the Bible were not inspired by God, how could mere human writers possibly have known about, event, about events that were literally hundreds of years in the future. The Old Testament, completed 400 years before Jesus' birth, contains over 300 prophecies concerning His life, death and resurrection, and Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. <laughs> I don't know about you, but this just gets me excited about it, right? Like, science. Science over and over and over again is confirming and declaring what the Bible has written about. Before there was any opportunity to discover the universes and the stars, Isaiah 40, Isaiah the prophet already declared that there was the expanse that spread out into the universe. Yet only in 1920 did we have the ability to see what Isaiah talked about thousands of years ago. I love it. Textual consent, I'm going fast and, I, and there's so many, I mean, you can spend like you know, a whole year talking about this stuff, but textual consistency and uniqueness. Roman historical texts were found 900 years, right? 
Listen to this. Roman historical texts were found 900 years, almost a whole millennium after the events happened. And there were only 20 original copies. Yet, even they say there are huge gaps, yet the world pins itself on these. The Bible manuscripts were dated only 30 to 150 years after they happened. There are more than 30,000 original copies and manuscripts. By comparison then, Roman history becomes a mere fairy tale when compared to the Bible for authenticity, accuracy, and integrity. Like, doesn't it make you just go, oh, great. (laughs) That's good news. I love that. The scrolls, when it came to the writing of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, it was amazing because only scribes could write it, right? And the scribes, the requirement was that they would have to memorize these scrolls to be able to write them. It would take about 2,000 hours or three years to write one Bible, one copy of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Such was the standard of precision that there were 4,000 regulations as to the process of copying these scrolls, which the scribes also had to know off by heart. It guaranteed that they were copied correct, that they were read correct, they were interpreted correct, they were pronounced correct, and they were treated with sacredness. Everything had to be perfect. It really is the most, honestly, unique book, history book and literature in all of the world. Even when they went to copy the scrolls, they could not say to, they had to be two scrolls, and scribes, sorry, and they could not say to him, okay, um, I am that I am, right? I am that I am. They would not do that. They had to say it letter by letter. So one would repeat I and the other would say I, space, space, A, A, M, M. And they had to do it letter by letter, not even word by word, even though they knew the whole thing off by heart, they weren't able to, why? To ensure absolute precision, absolute precision. It's amazing. Listen to this, when it came to handling the Bible, the Torah, they weren't even allowed, they were allowed to touch the margins, but anywhere there was writing, even though that through their fingerprints, it would actually help the ink embed into the scroll and make it last longer. The Jews, although they were clean and right with God, would never touch it because they deemed themselves too dirty in comparison to the holiness of God's word. Why all this effort? Why this somewhat seems unnecessary in the microwave? world that we live in. Why would you do so much? I believe so that we could stand here today and with confidence and clarity and absolute certainty say, thus saith the Lord. And when the Lord says the truth and the truth will set you free, then we can have confidence that it's not by our ability or our wishful cliches, but it's His Word. And it's bringing life and it's changing our hearts. But hear this, we all trust something, but I want to ask what it Are you trusting and is it trustworthy? Speaking openly, I am over the media outlets having no accountability for what they say. Blasting whatever titles to enable a click rate to get in. People are reading it. We're reading it and we're devouring it and we're consuming it. And unfortunately, we're agreeing with it. Now, I'm not saying all of it's untrue, but at the same time, guys, we've got to actually be a little cautious and put some filter on what are we reading and are we accepting as truth? Just because somebody is in popular or in power does not mean that they are a philosopher. It doesn't mean that they actually know what they're talking about. 
Just because someone's a social influencer doesn't mean they actually have the idea and the understanding about the theological things they're talking about. Just because somebody's a social media preacher doesn't mean you have to listen. I'm not saying it's all bad, but come on, there's some stuff, guys, that we actually have to go, you know what? It's time to go straight to the source. It's time to go straight to the source. And as I was talking to a friend last Sunday, we weren't talking about this, but they said, you know, reading the Bible can seem intimidating. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know what? It's true. When God said to me, I want you to read more than ever before, the reality was I was intimidated because I'm not a great reader. I don't have a great memory bank and all of that kind of stuff. Though I love it. But as I committed to it, I realized it was taking me about 45 to 55 minutes every morning to be able to do what God had asked me to do. And here I have this desire in my heart to do what God wants me to do, but here I am realizing it's going to take a lot of discipline. And it's actually going to take a lot of devotion. But you know what I've realized? I've realized that as I committed myself to discipline, the devotion became a habit. But what took place, rather than having a habit in my life, I actually had a hunger. And all of a sudden, what started as a discipline now is a desire. And where I used to say, I can't read very well, now I tell you, God has told me, stop saying that. Stop saying that. Man, you just, you just read 50 minutes every day for the last 365 days. There's now an appetite that I have that if there's a day that goes by, I'm already ahead of my reading plan this year. Why? Because I don't want to put it down. I don't want to stop. I found last year, guys, that honestly in everything that we walked through as a church and everything that we faced in our own family, there wasn't a moment where God's Scripture wasn't right there, right there relevant to the things that we had to navigate. Come on, in all of the chaos that was going on, there was the clarity of God's Word. There was a real sense that, Greg, this is what I've graced you for, so you don't have to worry about that. This is what the fight I've called you to fight, so you don't have to fight battles. I haven't. Don't get distracted with that because you're called to disciple this. And it's been amazing how it's shaped my heart and shaped my mind and it's shaped my priorities. And I want to encourage us, first things first, how we're going with the Word. Because God's got a Word for you. God's got a word for you. And it's not always going to be comforting and easy because I know when I came to Christ, I thank God that God didn't mold His word to my situation, but He made mold of my life to His word. And out of that, my life transformed. Come on, we're going to be people that don't try and make it suit us, but we're going to be people who are willing to surrender everything to align to Him. For as much as His word, as much as His word, that I, sorry, I wrote this down. I'm going to find it. Don't mess it up, mate. can't find it. To the level I can trust and apply God's Word to my life will determine the level God can entrust and outwork His purpose through my life. To the level, listen to this, to the level we can trust and apply God's Word to our lives will determine the level that God can entrust and outwork His will through our lives. And I've got to tell you, God wants to work through our lives more he wants to shine through our lives so strong. He wants to bring the reality of His hope and peace into our world, not just for us, because the reality of when we remain in Him, we live like Him, we shine like Him, and people will discover Him. It's not about us, but it is about Him. So it can seem intimidating. It can seem intimidating. But I tell you, once you start, you realize it's not intimidating, but it's intimacy. Insightful. It's it's so like it's so good. 
like your soul is so much healthier. I found myself like with social media stuff and not that I was, had an issue with it, but I found like you'd listen to stuff or start reading something. And again, not that it was bad, but I'm just like, I'm full. Like I'm honestly full. Like, I, I, I don't need another message. Like God's downloading enough already. <laughs> I don't know how you work, but for me, I needed a paperback. You can get it in an app form. And I needed my four colored pen. Come on, baby. Red, that's what he said. Green, that's what they did good. Black, that's bad. Blue, note that. And I just underline my Bible, write notes, and I underline this, you know, dog ear every page. Oh, that's a good one, dog ear that. Oh, that's a good one, dog ear that. So this year I'm like, oh, cool, the dog ear. I'm like, well, they're all dog eared. I just, I just pray that for some of us, come on, the appetite. Just, you just need to, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to force a, a religious obligation. I want you to hunger a greater level of relationship this year. I, I want you to feel like, oh, okay, I hope there's a good word on Sunday. Yeah, I pray as well. There's a great word on Sunday. It's got God's anointing on it and it's timely, but I pray that it's going to confirm what He's been speaking into your life from Monday to Saturday and you're going to feel like you're just growing and you're increasing. It was amazing last year, honestly, how God just lined everything up. So the day before we went unconditional on the building, the day before we went unconditional on the building, we had to have a special general meeting. And so on the Monday night, we had a special general meeting in our office and we shared the vision and the dream and what was happening and the commitment and the step that we were taking as a church and, and everybody unanimously and that, um, the members of that you know, were like, let's go, this is God. And it was amazing. And everyone left. It was about 10.30. Nadia was in New Zealand and with the kids. And I'm, I went to my desk and I found myself and I just got on my knees under my desk. Sitting there and I was doing some work. I still had to work out some of the, the clauses within the contract and stuff like that. But I, I just got down on my knees and, and I found myself just going, God, thank you. Like, honestly, thank you. This is, just un, this is only, this is unbelievable what we're stepping into. God, you're so good. And I felt clear as day, God said to me, Craig, when was the last time you were under your desk? And I said, I said, it was 12 years ago. He said, that's right. And he says, because you took my word and you made it your word and you decided to get out of that desk and not just do in your own strength and strive and struggle again, but you took my word as truth. You put it in your heart and you made it the, the very anchor to the moments where the enemy continues. He always is going to have a field day and he's always going to try. But I tell you what, there's no defense weapon like the word of God. There's nothing that silences the enemy like his truth. The Bible says he is the way, Jesus says he is the way, the truth and the life. Come on, if we want to get the way to life, then it's through his truth. And his truth literally changed everything. I found myself just marveling, going, God, how good are you? The next morning I got up and I was like, you know what? Before we go unconditional, when Adrian and I signed the, the contract, I'm gonna go and sit on the site and I'm gonna read my devotional from on the, on the car park there. Now, I just finished a chapter in the Old Testament. New Testament, it runs chron chronologically, but in the Old Testament, it jumps all over the place a little bit. I just had finished the chapter. I didn't know what was coming next. And I went and I sat in my car and I opened up 
read the devotional, and then I was like, okay, where's the Old Testament scripture for today? And what scripture would it happen to be? Joshua 1. Craig, as I was with Moses. <laughs> Come on, so I'll be with you. Be strong and courageous. Come on, because we're going to lead people. And this property is not about another church building. This property is about restoring a city. And this property is about a kingdom investment that's going to see for the generations to come far when you've gone. This house is going to be a house of hope and light and a beacon to all of those that will realize and discover that our God is a God who is faithful and He is able and the impossible might seem impossible to you, but it's not impossible to Him. He can restore it. He can turn it around. He can make it work. If it's His will, then let's do it His way. And I tell you, this year, Pastor Paul has declared, and we are standing on it as a year of miracles and as a year of souls being saved. So we don't need another word in the sense of a declaration over our church, but we need a word. We need a word and God has got a word for you. If I can just go for a few minutes longer, I'd love Zion, my son. I'd love him to come and join me. I asked him to come and be part of today's service. Come and join me, mate. He's a good looking man. <laughs> Don't know who he looks like, but. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Listen to this. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life and that life was light, was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Listen to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it says this word here, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been. In Him, I think sometimes why we struggle to read our Bible is because we think it's a book with pages and a whole lot of words on it. And we don't realise that actually it's Him. And what we're doing when we're reading the Bible is actually like a father, a heavenly father over his kids. And it's not so much us just reading words, but it's Him speaking into our lives. What if we saw it like this when we open our Bible? It's like God standing there right with you. Jesus, who's alive and loves you, laid His life down on the cross that you may know life and life. Imagine if you just, imagine if we just saw every time we opened the Bible, it's like we're opening up this intimate moment. And you don't have to worry about having to read so much or have to read it in a year. Please don't feel like He did that, so I have to do that. If God's asking you to, cool, but He is asking you to eat His daily bread. And He wants to supply you something fresh every single day. As Christians, we cannot be starving. Because the world is feeding us and feeding us and feeding us stuff. But I tell you what, if you've got an appetite because you're still hungry, we'll start to eat anything. But I'm telling you, God's asking you to open His Word so He can speak to you. Have this thought. Isn't it crazy that when we get to heaven, that God is going to sound exactly the same? Have you thought about that? We go, oh, what's God going to sound like? It's going to sound like this. Loving, encouraging, believing in you. He says heaven's going to be a party. It's going to be a place of joy. But He's also going to be strong. It's going to, he's going to speak life. You know, as I read 
had this revelation last year as I got towards the end of the year. And as I saw and I just looked back at God's faithfulness, I had this revelation. This whole time as I was holding the Bible and reading it, I realized, no, it was actually God holding me and downloading into me. God's Word wants to hold you up this year. God's Word wants to give you insight to that which naturally you can't see. God's Word wants to ground you in the possibilities of what He says, not in the potential of who we are in ourselves. God's Word wants to shape us. First things first, team. Would we get into the Word? Come on, would we make a time to do it? What does it look like? It looks like getting up early. For me, it looked like that's my best time of clarity of thought is early in the morning. Getting up early. It looked like noise. It looked like a three-year-old. Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I want breakfast. Dad. It looked like three kids arguing. <laughs> it looked like my arm being a car ramp. And easy just putting, Ezekiel putting cars all over me and me having to sing happy birthday to him every time he put a car on me. You go, oh, well, I just want the perfect setup. Sometimes it's not the perfect setup, but when you're devouring a perfect word, I tell you, it still does something. It still sows a seed. It still brings life. It still transforms a heart. Thank you, my buddy. I love you. So would we see ourselves in a posture that says, you know what? God wants time. He wants to sit with me. He just wants to speak to me. And it's going to be challenging. And it's going to correct mindsets. And it's going to challenge the culture that we live in. And it's going to say, hey, you've got to raise your game. It's going to say, hey, you need to, you need to love others more. You're going to say, hey, on all this truth you're getting, you actually got to find you've got to be more gracious. Because He wraps Himself with grace. And then the truth is something that is sweet to mouth of everybody that hears it. We've got to close. But I thank God that His Bible, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. It's the truth that His Word is Jesus, and as the beginning was Jesus. The whole Old Testament points to Jesus. The whole New Testament reveals Jesus, and it declares that the day is coming when Jesus will return. And He wants to take everyone, He wants to take everyone with Him home to eternity. The Bible also puts it very, very clearly that all of us were born into a world that is broken. And in fact, we have sin. We're born into a world of sin. And it says, hey, that's not any wrongdoing of your own. That's the reality of the world that we've been born into. But the responsibility that we all have is to actually make a personal decision to say, you know, what? Well, what am I going to believe? And the Bible says that whilst we don't believe, we're actually in darkness. Whilst we don't believe, though we think we're living life, we're actually, the Bible says, we actually live in death. The Bible says that while we think we can see everything and know everything, the Bible says we're blind. But the Bible also says that to anyone who would believe, to anyone who would accept the truth that God loved us that much, He loved you at home this much that He sent His only Son, Jesus, to come and live a life that we couldn't, to pay a price that we should have. That on the cross, He died for all of the sin, all of the guilt, all of the brokenness from our past life and any day that we would have between now and our time to go home. He died on that cross and He made a way that if we would believe in Him and believe that He died, but He did not just die. He rose again from the grave, triumphant over death, sin, and He made a way for us to have relationship with Jesus that through our belief in Him and our confession with our mouth that the Bible says we are saved. 
We are saved, which means the old has gone and the new is now here. We're saved, which means the guilt and the shame of our past is gone and we get a brand new beginning. We're saved in the reality that we're no longer under our own ability and guidelines, but now we follow and live with Jesus. And so I would love to take a moment before we close to ask and invite any person in this room, if you're here and you're hearing the truth, the truth is, is that you're not in relationship with Jesus. The truth is, is that you're lost on the inside. There's a void. The good news is, is that the truth is, is that when you put your faith in Jesus, I tell you what, He will make you whole. His love will fill your heart. His forgiveness will wash your life and the peace of heaven will flood your heart. And you will now live in a direction on purpose with God. If you're here and you need to make a decision to respond and to invite Jesus into your heart, wherever you're seated, at home, wherever you're situated, if you know you're away from Him, but today you're saying, Craig, I wanna know this. God of yours. Craig, I wanna accept the truth. Craig, I wanna have new life. Then pray this prayer with me with all of your heart. In this room, if that's you, I'm gonna invite you real quickly, but significantly. If that's you and say, Craig, would you include me in this prayer? Then I'm asking you to lift your hand on the count of three quickly. And we're gonna shoot them up and then we're gonna pray together all over this place. On the count of three, just sit them up, shoot him up. One, He loves you heaps. Gave everything for you. Two, this is the best day. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. If that's you. Three, would you just lift your hand and say, Craig, yeah, I know I'm away from God. I need to come home. Just lift your hand over this place. That's awesome. Fantastic. Others at home, you can click the raise hand button in the chat or you can make a decision and say, that's me. I'm, I'm making that choice. That's fantastic. All right, everybody here, let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, today I invite you into my heart. And I'll make You Lord of my life. I declare I'm leaving my ways and I'm choosing Yours to follow You with all of my heart. I trust You. I need You. And I want to live for You. Thank You that You love me. Thank You that You died and rose again that I might have life and have it to the full. Today I declare I will live with You and for you. From this day forward, in Jesus' name, Amen. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life, and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.